once upon a time, in the faraway land of Ravenworth, a region shaken by a most calamitous tragedy only a year ago, there lived a knight and a former princess. Oh, dear stars, that hurt! A year ago, this very same knight was responsible for saving the kingdom with the help of her adoptive sister and best friend, the old Princess Sixteen, from a truly despicable beast named Aragnathoth. Spiritual manifestation of the Devil Arcana, Aragnathoth grew to become a ferocious dragon after entering our world through the vessel that was Commander Agra of the King's Army. Mm. I swear to spirits that if I die to an ogre instead of to a dragon, I'm going to be very pissed off in the afterlife. What? Are you calling it quits? You wish, watch. As the competitive spirit of the princess took over, her knightly sister looked on with the slightest tinge of concern as Sixteen tore into the ogre with immense strength and power. In the time since the great Fatebringer battled with Aragnathoth, her strength and fighting prowess had landed her the nickname Dragonborn. Likewise, Sot's combat abilities were almost identical to Sixteen's. However, Sot found that the many attempts at nicknames fell to the wayside, and thus, if it wasn't Sot, most people referred to her as the Slayer, a title that Sot was not particularly fond of. Well, I don't know. One way to solve the farmer's ogre problem. Ugh, don't act like you wouldn't have killed it either. I, I, I mean... I would have, but not like that. Tearing its stomach in half, that's just needlessly gory. You know what? Fair enough. Since the time of Aragnathoth had come to an end, Sixteen used this time of change to abdicate the throne, forming a budding democracy, and leaving the land in the hands of the people. Since then, the land has had many difficulties, but has begun to bud into a land of prosperity, with the disestablishment of the serfdom and the class system altogether, this left the once princess and last knight out of a job. Whew, right. That should be enough proof of the kill. God, this part's disgusting. I know. To be fair, though, you were the one who suggested we become monster hunters. Uh, yeah, because we already killed the worst possible monster. It could only be easier after Aragnathoth. Easier doesn't mean it won't involve chopping up burgatos. I hate you sometimes. Sure. So, as the two best monster hunters in the land, the two had come to be known far and wide for their prowess. Under the care and mentorship of Philip the Hierophant, and his sister, Astoria, the Oracle of the Stars, the two held a mostly peaceful life outside of the public eye. Having a much-needed rest from the drama of their old lives, the two were content. There. Oh, thank you, kind Slayer and Dragonborn. Please, Sort and Sixteen are just fine. Of course, of course. And uh, here is your reward for slaying the ogre. Of course, Reginald, we're happy to help. Um, but a word for both of you. Hmm? You've done so much for our lands, helping to bring everyone together since the Fatebringer battle. Why haven't I heard talk of you two taking a rest? Rest? Reginald, I can assure you both of us are fine. Truly, we're both more than happy to help out around the area. Yes, of course. It's just... 
well, don't you think it would be nice to take a vacation? A, a vacation? vacation? Yes. Many of the neighbouring kingdoms have begun to reopen since word has finally spread that Ravenworth is safe again. Really, we do appreciate the worry, truly, but we're fine. Truly. Uh, I see. Quite committed to your craft. That's one way to put it, I guess. And with that, Sot and Sixteen began travelling down the country road once again, planning on meeting their caretakers, Astoria and Philip, at the Druid's Rune Pub and Inn. As they travelled down this road, the two got into an argument, as they often would on these long walks, which would often settle themselves by the time they arrived at the pub. The two had entered the pub through the grimy and wine-stained door, pushing past a drunkard sleeping on the floor. They made their way to the usual table at the back and found Astoria and Philip had already begun their first few pints. All right, look, look, look at me, Phil. I'm looking at you. No, Philip, look me in the eye. Oh, come on, you know eye contact is hard for me. Which one am I even supposed to look at? One of them? I don't know. Look, that's not the the point. The point is... Oh, hey, hey, kids! Oh, oh, my word. I am so sorry you have to see me like this. The story, huh? He's trying to get you to join a drinking game. Ding, ding, ding! Oh, you're fine, Philip. If anything, I'm glad to see you loosen up a bit. You know you don't have to keep up this whole image of professionalism, right? You're a free man. You can drink as much as you want. I, uh... Liver is perfectly intact after almost a whole life of sobriety. <laughs> you can afford at least one night of unspeakable debauchery, can't you? I suppose so. Attaboy! Refills, please! And the four enjoyed a pint together in peace and quiet as the day went on. That is, until a gorgeous and charismatic bard made her entrance to the pub and began to cause quite a ruckus. Greetings and salutations, dear patrons. My name is Galos the Twelfth. I come in search of two extraordinary individuals, the Slayer and the Dragonborn. Hmm? Is that...? What? Sot, do you know this person? Well, I'm not entirely sure. Galos the Twelfth, a product of the School of Twelfth, the most esteemed warrior poet academy. Here, the students of the academy were taught to become the finest bards in the land, a jack-of-all-trades with a proficiency in hand-to-hand combat and musical inspiration. Those trained had been spared from the violence of Aragnathoth, as the school was located in the neighbouring coastal nation of Erith. However, Sot could not help but feel as if she had met this bard before, in some capacity. Over there, wonderful. Your likeness shall be remembered well in my next Ballad of Glory. Good evening, my fine monster-hunting brethren. My name is... Oh, you've already heard what my name is. You wouldn't mind if I sat myself here at the booth? I'm not interrupting anything, am I? <clears throat> well, we, we were just... Don't I know you from somewhere? Me? Yes, you. We've met before, haven't we? Uh, well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Gallows. I'm 16, and this is Philip and Astoria, and that is Sot. Gallows the Twelfth? You 
wouldn't happen to be related to Dolokhov the assassin, would you? Oh, I am absolutely flattered. No, no, my dear. I merely preach as many victories in my many verses, much like I've been doing so of you and the dear once princess. Oh, oh my, I'm so sorry. I, I just, I can't help but feel as if I recognize you. Oh, I'm sure it will come to either of us at some time in the near future. We shall have much time to figure that out as the two of you join me in our next quest. I believe I already have a name for the ballad I shall write to discuss our time together. I shall call it A Tale of Slayers and Sonnets. Next quest? I'm sorry, but I'm not sure I follow. Neither do I. I'm sorry, but if you have no business with these two, I'm going to have to ask you to leave us back to our evening. Ah, of course. My apologies. I have not even explained myself. If you'll allow me. Okay. And Gallows turned directly around, straight for the pub stage, and requested the band to leave, which they abided by. With a swift motion, she pulled out their lute and held the pick up in the air. Honestly, considering the fact that you two are both honorary and literal royalty, I'm surprised you haven't heard more strange encounters like this before. And with a single strum of the lute, Gallos caught the attention of all the patrons of Druid's Rune. The cord sent out a pulsing wave of cyan light, and knocked a few people out of their seats without even causing a ripple in the drinks of the patrons. Oh, oh dear stars. Heroes, adventurers, hunters, and those of you simply looking for a good pint of ale, I come to those of you brave enough to embark on a journey with I, Galos the Twelfth. Oi! Oi! What's all this blue shit knocking over my customers? Has she made some sort of arrangement with the Major Arcana? My apologies, Archer. However, I am sure that after my little demonstration, you will have quite the boom in business. There's, there's no way that she could be using Faith or the Major Arcana to do that, right? Not in any way I've seen before. Musical-based miracles, that's... That's a new one. I'm sorry, dear sir, but I could not help but to overhear your concerns. I can assure you that the abilities I possess do not owe their origin to any god or spirit. <sighs> All right, you win. That was a neat trick, but I'm sure everyone here would rather go back to their drinks. If you want to talk to me in sight, we'll talk to you outside, okay? Ah, but you have yet to see my true abilities up close, my dear. What? However, it was too late, and with another strum of the lute, the wind began to pick up and lift Sixteen and Gallos into the air. With fingers of dark blue flames, the bard sent out an almost angelic melody into the room. Whoa, hey, hey, what's going on here? Sot got up from her chair and approached the stage. However, as she did so, it seemed as if her foot forgot to touch the ground as she began to float upwards towards Gallos and Sixteen. Oh, my, oh, dear, oh, dear. As I was saying, my abilities are not that of a god, nor those of the major arcana who ravaged these fair lands a year ago. No, no. What I possess is the ability to tap into my own innate arcana. A well of sorcery, or in a single word, magic. The crowd went silent at this. The only time that most had even heard that word spoken were in the old legends of Gideon and her seeming complete control of animals or 
that of the once great ancient king Baliel of the far south, who was said to have stopped the moon from crashing into the earth. Or, in the most recent times, the story of our very own Sixteen and Sot, summoning a sword of light to slay the dragon Aragnathoth. The only difference in the last example being that neither Sot nor Sixteen had control over either's innate arcana, unlike the bard that lay before them. How, how is she? I have no idea in the slightest. Now, have I caught your attention, my dear heroes? <sighs> All right. This is the closest thing to complete privacy as we can get in the land, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Wonderful. I am so grateful that the two of you would give your obedient servant but a humble moment of your time. All right. Now, show us that magic again. I want to see you use it on command. So, I'm fairly certain they can do it on command. Okay, yeah, maybe. But also, you have to admit, that was fascinating, and I want to see you do it again. Oh, uh, okay. You do realise that I'm still in front of you, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, we see you. We know. All right, um... So do the thing. The thing? The magic, you know, the whole cyan pulse thing. We literally saw you pull that over a half an hour ago. Ah! Of course. Hold on to thine self. And once again, with a swift pulse and a gathering of the wind, the three were lifted up high into the air and gently laid to rest back on the ground. Sot and Sixteen saw as Gallos was able to land perfectly on her feet and realized she had probably practiced this particular trick numerous times. Whoa. Tis the reaction most have had. That one is quite popular amongst my peers. I'm sure it is, but why have you come to seek us specifically? I'm sure whatever quest you're trying to go on will be merely a breeze for you. Aye, therein lies my problem. Or rather, our problem. First I must ask, when was the last time you have been able to call upon your abilities? Well, it was... About a year ago, that I was able to call upon the power of the fool. And the year before that, when my curse began to eat away at me. However, both of these were bestowed upon us by the Major Arcana. But have either of thee attempted to summon thine abilities through thine own innate arcane energy? I'm not sure I follow. Innate arcane what now? Innate ar- No, it's fine, it's fine. So... One is led to assume that the reputation that's been built up via monster hunting is through sheer tendency towards battle and skill of trade. So, I'm lost. What is she trying to say? She's saying we're aggressive and really good at killing monsters because we're well-versed in battle. Oh, then yes, exactly. Pretty much hammered to the nail right there. (laughs) Somehow, that is more impressive than if thou have been able to call upon thine own abilities. Thank you. But, again... What even is this problem that you need us for? You can't keep dodging the question. Of course! T'wasn't the intention in the slightest. You must excuse me, I often become distracted even in the most crucial times. Fey mind disorder and whatnot. Ah, oh, I was diagnosed with the same as a child. A fellow person with FMD? Gallows. Right, uh, of course. Actually, it might be better if I show you. Gallows took off her glove and rolled up her sleeve and revealed strong, red corruption flowing through her flesh as if not bound by veins or muscles. Oh, dear stars! What is that? Some kind of 
Living bruise or cyst? Ugh. That, my new comrades, is a condition I have decided to call the festering. And I am not the first to be caught in its tendrils. That looks really painful. It's probably because it is. Worry not. It isn't in my good hand, so I should be able to continue for the foreseeable future. Is that... eating you? Quite astute, you're nearly there. Tis attempting to consume me. However, luckily, through controlled use of my arcane energy, I have been able to stave it off much longer than... than the others. Oh, my stars, are you okay? I am well. I do appreciate the concern, however, I am truly time for the fine being. The issue isn't me. It is the people of Aerith. Aerith was quiet on the day that the dragon was slain. However, that tranquility did not last. The rumbling began shortly after the piercing, dying screech of Aragnathoth. The cobblestone streets came colliding into each other. Buildings became rubble near the tears in the world and the ground began pulsating with a colour at the cracks that is near indescribable, save for the word metaphysical. Over the months that followed, the rumbling subsided. The energy from these cracks seeped into the world and the homes, and eventually the people of Erith. While it did not begin immediately, that is the nature of the festering. To fester to grow within those it deems dangerous to its power. Gallows explained that she was only narrowly able to avoid the festering, taking over her body as her innate arcana awakened out of fear. A fear for herself and for those around her. A fear that was well justified, as when she returned to the main city, she was stupefied at the image of the city under the rule of a tyrant fire on every street corner, fueled by the bodies of dissenters, babies being ripped away from mothers, and a militant city guard stalking the streets at night. They called him Prim, the Rose of Erith, a true beauty that was covered in thorns. He only came to power a few months ago, but he rallied the other members of the School of the Twelve and held a coup d'etat. I was the only one who made it out. And after some time hiding and waiting for my chance, I finally escaped just two weeks ago. I made my way to this place after I heard the very people I had made a ballad about were hands for hire. Well, we aren't necessarily... um... Please, Gallows, continue. I will be truthful. My purpose in this land is purely selfish. I understand that it may not be possible to fix the earth I once knew. Now all I wish for is revenge against the bastard who killed those closest to me for I know that he is the source of the festering I believe him to be the truth harnessing the power of the one arcana quite similar to the story of being possessed by the spirit of the tower and with a force as strong as time itself the wind passes over the trio in an instant the screams of those who were killed in the violent political takeover the pain of mothers who lost their children, and the grief of a life that could have been lost forever. And that is why I need your help. As arguably the greatest heroes in our land, I knew I had no other choice but to find at least one of you. I... 
That is awful. I am so deeply sorry for your loss. Tis all right, my fair comrades. Again, I must reiterate, my purpose is entirely selfish. However, I do still ask for your assistance. Not in restabilizing the country, but in killing Prim. Even if it does not cure my ailment, I wish to at least rain light upon his bastard throne. We understand, and we're absolutely... Actually, if we could have a moment to ourselves real quick. Uh, what? But of course, I shall be practicing my lute. The bard walked away with an understanding look in her eye, and began to strum a tune on the lute, both familiar and foreign to the heroes. <sighs> right, Sot, I'm going to need some answers. You've been acting awfully suspicious since the tavern. Speak. The tongue-tied swordsman looked at her adoptive sister in the eyes, having difficulty choosing which to look in, and realized that she had almost entirely accidentally been acting strange. She didn't know whether it was by providence or through a gut instinct, but Sot Lamond knew that something was wrong. There was some aspect of the truth that was not revealed to her that she could remember. I'm... I'm not sure. Actually, I don't know if I trust her. No shit, Sot. If there's anyone in the world who knows you, it's yourself, followed by me. I know you know, and if there's anyone in this world you can trust, it's me. Look, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm more familiar with her than I think. I can't explain why. But I just am. What? Is this just like one of those premonitions I keep hearing about in bard songs? Maybe. But, like, it's not as if I'm seeing into the future. Fair. Besides, as much as I'm inclined to believe this story, how do you know this won't turn into a reverse coup? We don't. That's what trust is. Not to mention you can't really pull off a coup with three people now, can you? <laughs> I have a moment to think. Uh, sure, I'm gonna go see if Gallows can play the Ballad of the Nightbard Prince. Now alone with her thoughts, she allowed herself some time to truly think on the matter. Sot looked at the poet with a concerned squint, unsure of trust in this bard. Looking back at sixteen and seeing her absolute enthrallment in wonder, and knew that even if she declined this commission, her sister would not, no matter what. And out of a will to protect Sixteen, Sot looked Gallus in the eyes and stated, We're in. Really? Oh! Why, that is quite bold of you, my dear. Are you sure you wouldn't... No, no, we're in, we're in. I'm sure of it. Well, then, all right. Make your preparations tonight, for tomorrow we set off on our journey to the land of Aerith. My, this is awfully similar to the knight, bard, prince. That's exactly what I was speaking! I and thus the their new the quest had begun. A, a quest for justice, heroism, and vengeance. A quest that Gallus would insist upon calling the Tale of Souls and Slayers. And in the morning, the group would set off. However, not before saying goodbye to their caretakers once more. Now, Sixteen, Sot, me and Astoria have prepared you a surprise. We were hoping to have given it to the both of you as a gotcha day present, but since you'll be gone that day... We 
We decided it would be best to give you both these now. Now for you, Sartes, I hope that you like this. I found this in the rubble of the barracks. My old baby blankets? How did you find this? And how is it in such good condition? I haven't the foggiest, but you have to admit it, it is quite the find. Of course! I, I love it! Thank you so much! <sighs> well, <laughs> hey, not so hard, kiddo. And for you, Sixteen, I understand this may be a more interesting choice. However, I found in the rubble of the city the Dagger of the Fool. I thought since you're always fighting with your fists, this might be a safer alternative. And a good way to take back the memory of your... <clears throat> Eventful birthday. Oh my stars, this is so cool. I love it. It's like having a little memory of the four of us, even though it was really traumatic. I, I'm fine, I promise. I'll be safe. I'm so happy. I also thought you might find the material to fit your aesthetic, especially considering the many-coloured blade. Oh, this thing absolutely looks cooler than anything I've ever had. Thank you, Philip, and thank you, Astoria. Uh, yes, absolutely. Thank you both. We'll be back before you know it. And the family chose a group embrace one last time before the two youngest went off to a distant land. With hope in their hearts and wishes for a safe return, they joined with their new musically inclined compatriot. Well, hail! I see you've required a new set of armaments. Well, if you call a blanket a weapon, then yeah? Of course. Blankets are the sword that slashes at the beast of discomfort in our unconscious state. Oh, Gallows, your words are so pretty. Eh, I'm not that big a fan of that one. Either way, we should get a blue one. You said it was a three-day walk, and since we can't really afford horses, we're going to need to reserve our energy. Of course. Now! To victory from the void, my dear friends. This is so exciting! Another adventure! And thus the trio set off, well-packed and prepared for the few days' journey, unaware that dangers lie ahead. Look, Sop, all I'm saying is we have an absolutely solid base for a musical play based on our lives here. I concur. The fundamental basis of any well-to-do work is there. And considering I was the one who created the ballad based upon your adventures, I do believe I have some form of expertise in this matter. No, no, it's not that I'm not interested. Trust me, I would be absolutely flattered beyond belief. But the issue is, how would you do the tarot-based events in a play setting? Well, Gallows could just magic it. I mean, wouldn't that be a bit difficult for Gal to do all on her own? May perhaps we could use an elaborate firework system? For which part? It matters not. For if you shall look ahead, I shall point out the first stop on our journey. Our first stop? Aye. This right here is the border between our two lands. From here you should begin to smell the brine upon the breeze. This is the smell of my land. Or rather... <laughs> or rather the smell of the home I chose. Oh. Oh, did you mention this before? Yes, I may have. While I hail from Erith, my birthplace was that of Ravenworth. Ah, I see. Well, if you are happy with Erith, I'm glad you eventually found a place for you. Indeed, on that note, 
I believe it is time we continue onwards. There's a shop I would like to reach for nightfall. And thus, the trio travelled onwards. After the long three-day travel, they had finally made it to Aerith unscathed. However, while they continued their travels, Sot continued her investigations, hoping to find something out about the mysterious past of this barn. The only lead she could find, however, was that of the fact that she recognized her, and that she was not of Arethian birth. <laughs> Suddenly, the night fell to the ground. Her heart was pounding harder than it ever had. She tried to scream, but felt as if her mouth was not there, leaving only a pain indescribable. Sot? Sot! Five. What? Ugh, Gamos, get over here. Already here, what happened? I don't know, she just... Fell? She keeps grabbing her chest. Oh dear, I'm oh, all right. Well, I'm I'm not quite a medic, but I we should, I think we should check. I think we should tear her shirt uh, off. Just just do it. The festering had taken root in Sot's chest. The pulsing and cancerous branches spread across her skin. Oh my stars! How how has it already spread to her? We've only just entered the region. I I, I don't know. I, is she going to be all right? L- luckily, yes. This, the spread of the festering does vary, but it, it usually won't take over a whole person in a day. H- how long do we have? It's m- most likely, I'd say seven days. The two began to carry Sot to the nearby shop that Gallus had mentioned, in the hopes of finding a bed to give Sot a short rest before continuing the journey. It was two days before Sot would wake up again. She found herself in a bedroom that looked unfamiliar, with a wet towel and a bowl at her bedside, and bandages covering her chest. As if returning from a long battle, Sot woke up in terror. She remembered everything, up until the point where she was dragged off by Sixteen and Gallows. But at that moment, all she could think about was where she was then and there not to mention the strange voice she had been hearing. She left her bed with little difficulty and decided to investigate further. What she found upon opening the door was a large open tavern with a lone barkeep humming a tune. Oh, it's you. Uh, oh, well, how do you do, dear? What? Uh, oh, oh my, uh, you must not remember me from when you were brought in. Makes sense. You seem to be caught in quite the stir when Gallows and that girl brought you in. Before Sot was a tall, kind-hearted-looking gentleman. Within Sot was a wave of comfort, similar to the feeling of a warm hug. He grabbed a mug and began to pour out a drink for Sot, as she sat at the bar. Solana Maragis. You may call me Sola. Um, Sot Lamond. Ha <laughs> ha So you're the famous dragon slayer. Oh, uh... uh. I didn't realize how much my reputation precedes me. Indeed. You and the other one have quite a story behind you. Oh, so you met Sixteen? The girl? I, we met for a brief point. Didn't realize she was the same Sixteen as from the songs. Songs plural? Oh, yes, of course. A few people have tried their hand at your tale, Gallus being one and, in my opinion, the most passionate. Passionate? Oh, quite. She absolutely loved your story. 
gave her quite a bit of inspiration. And who's she to you? Ah, uh, she's a family friend. Oh, yeah? Aye. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was a sensitive topic. You're fine, you're fine. Well, the tavern is quite lovely. Aye, I'm glad you like it. I put a lot of work in with my family. Wish that Knox could have been around to see it. Well, Soli, you're right. <laughs> that place is practically a ghost town. Oh, sucked you're awake. Never do that again. You had me absolutely horrified. I'm sure. Where were you two? Well, since the townspeople aren't here, Sola had to search far and wide for a new gallon of milk for thee. Thank you very much, by the way, gal. Tis not worth mentioning. I'm glad that you see Sot made enough of a recovery to get out of bed. Hopefully we can finish this when we finally slay Prim. I hate that you have to resort to violence, but I don't think I could stop you even if I wanted to. While Gallus and Sola were deep in conversation, Sot began to hear the sound of children and instruments playing. The sound of a street alive, in almost exact opposition to what Gallus had said. And so, while the two were not looking, she grabbed Sixteen and walked outside. Sot! No, wait, not yet! However, it was too late. The light overwhelmed the young knight at first, so the only sense she could rely on in the beginning was sound. First came the percussion. The sound of the drumbeat permeated through Sot's soul, her skull hounding with the vibrations of a thousand rhythmic thuds. Second came the sound of children. The children sounded faint and distant, but still recognizable. The sound was full of mirth and childlike wonder as the laughter of children continued. Next were the instruments. The sound of the horns brought Sot's ears to a peak. She had not once heard this many trumpets, trombones, and bugles all at once. Sot, you need to get back inside. It's not safe out here. I thought Gallo said that this place was empty. There's an entire star-damned parade! We both know she's hiding something, and I want to find out what. Sot, you do not want to go to that parade, especially not on your own. What do you mean, not on my own? Well, if you're going to go, why don't we go together? If you want to come with me, I'd absolutely love that. Great. Just hold on and let me get gathered. Wait, it's... Filled with a combination of jealousy, confusion, and near rage toward Gallos, Sot decided to take charge and began to march toward the parade. <sighs> I'm sorry, Exie, but I need to see this for myself. I need to know what's going on. And then she saw it. The Festival of the Festering. All around her, almost a hundred bodies, overtaken by a pulsating mass of almost flesh. They moved nearly normal. The only difference being that they appeared to be moving like they had strings attached to the ends of their limbs, like marionettes. What the f- And as she stood in the center clearance, she saw one singular person who was not being controlled by what appeared to be the fully formed Festa. A beautiful young man with bright red hair that flowed in the wind like a flame caught on a blade of grass. His eyes a shining shade of blue that Sot had never seen before, and a scar over his left eye. 
Sartre knew that she should be thrown off by his being the one person free of the pulsating flesh. However, his face gave off a kind-hearted yet wise look. He was a leader. He was strong. He was the very spitting image of charisma. And yet... Sot! There you are! Why did you run away? I thought Gallo said the town was empty. But what the fuck are these things? They were my friends. The trio had pulled themselves off to the side alley in order to converse in private. And to tear Sot away from the trance she found herself in. What... what happened to them? And who the hell is that man sitting on the top of that throne? I mean... I can guess, but there's no way that's the guy you were talking about. Indeed he is. That is Prim. And those things you see are the puppeted corpses of my once classmates. Only your classmates? Most slightly, yeah. How can you tell? Does the stench of a corpse not tell you enough? Look to the town centre. The sisters looked out upon the festival again and needed only peek to see the pile of burning flesh and cloth. It was at that moment that the stench of death hooked itself in their nostrils. And that mound of flesh, that is the festering. Tis the most disgusting and wretched escape from death I've seen. The infection spreads throughout your entire body and eventually takes control. By making you go mad with a frenzy of obedience. So, is that what's happening? That is what I had hoped to keep you away from. I didn't realise that you'd begin to feel its effects soon, nay, at all. Well, by process of elimination, I'm counting only one guy up there who isn't being controlled by that whatever, so I'm going to assume that's prim and kick his ass, respectfully. Sixteen ran off with a fire of wrath and determination in her heart. A feeling of camaraderie acting as tinder, and her sister and new friends' infections acting as the spark. With fighting gauntlets equipped, she scraped the side of the bricks at her side as she ran, to gather the attention of the man in the throne. Sixteen, wait! Oi, pretty boy! The crowd, aside from the man in the throne, turned their heads in unison. Hail and well met, Tower, child of fortune and slayer of the devil. Quite the illustrious title. What business do you have in our prosperous kingdom? How do they... Never mind, I'm not talking to them, I'm talking to you, redhead. Ah, uh, yes, of course. My mistake. I often forget the whole hive mind thing can be a bit off-putting with new visitors. And, again, apologies. I've only heard of you via songs and legends of yours and your sister's heroism. What shall I refer to you as? Princess? Fighter? Assassin? Sixteen. And she began to walk closer to the throne, around the pile of burning corpses, being careful not to bump into any of the fested people in the town square. Very well, Sixteen. Always happy to receive a guest on these days of jubilee. Why don't you join us in the festivities? The day has only just begun, after all. Oh, I think I'll pass, thank you. But truly, we insist. There are games and drink and plenty food all around. 
The children have been having a ball in celebration. As the crowd and the man in the throne were distracted, Gallus and Sot began to sneak around to attempt to get the jump on him. All right, I'll go this way and you go off to the left. Sot, I'm going with you. Fine, fine, just stay behind me. Look, I'm not here for this demented puppet show. Let's talk. Oh, of course, of course. Of course, allow me to introduce myself first. My name is Prim the Twelfth, the Rose of Erith, newly crowned King of Erith. Sot, have I done something to offend you or your sensibilities? What? It's very obvious that you do not trust or even like me. I don't even know if you tolerate me. I'll skip on the fancy words this time, because I just want a straight answer. Do. You. Trust me. No. Honestly, I can barely stand you because I don't think that you told me the truth. About what? And on a whim, it came to her. She knew exactly why she didn't trust Gallus, and it all made so much sense. Prim isn't just a stranger to you, is he? Truly, it is an honor to have you here. As I hope you have noticed by now, I have brought peace and prosperity to the bay in but a small matter of time. Do you wish to take a page out of my book? I am not mistaken in saying that your kingdom has had quite a few issues of stability, correct? Can it? What the hell have you done with these people, these children and these corpses? Ah, I see. Well, justice is never not drenched in blood, my friend. Yeah, I figured you killed your own people. Doesn't take a genius to assume what happened here. Ah, then you must understand. I mean, you let your people suffer and burn under the flames of the 15th spirit in exchange for freedom from your curse. If anyone here understands each other, it is us. That's it. And in that moment, the dust from the ground was swept up and her feet moved faster than any person could see. Rage swirled and set her eyes ablaze. All she could see in this moment was the fire dancing upon the mass grave of the people of Erith, and all she heard was the audacity of Prim to compare himself to her fight for survival. Ah! And with a swift punch, she threw almost her whole body into the punch to end all punches. The blades upon the knuckles were eager and ready to split open Prim's beautiful face, when out of nowhere, impact. Tisk tisk tisk. As the dust settled, the metal on Sixteen's gauntlet began to shatter, as Prim, with the gauntlet in his hand, crumpled it like a piece of parchment. Sixteen was in agonizing pain, but no one would be able to tell because she didn't make a sound. Come on, Ixie. Really? You didn't even try to hide your attack. You have no right to call me that. How fucking dare you! The flame of righteous anger threw her other fist straight for the other side of his face. And yet again, he caught it. As the dust began to settle once again... His eyes began to glow a dark blue, as dark and deep as the ocean, with a singular bright white in the centre, in the shape of a crescent. Now, now, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Did you really think you'd be able to get me again with the same side punch? Honestly, 
I have two hands, you know. Shut up, shut up, shut up! And she kept punching, again and again and again, as fast as she could, just trying to land a blow to wipe that smug grin off his face. Her anger turned to desperation the longer she kept going, and the more fatigued she felt. Typical. And I was expecting some sort of challenge when Gallows said she was going to bring the strongest heroes in the land. Now! What? And at that moment, Gallows played a melody on the lute, lifting Sot up behind the throne of Prim. And before he could even notice, Sot had him in a chokehold. He struggled to escape, kicking and throwing his body every which way in the chair, but in the end, he simply allowed himself to be pinned to the back of his chair as Sixteen began to hit his face again and again and again. (laughs) There we go, eat shit, you fucking pig! (coughs) Are you done yet? I don't know. Ask her. Somewhat. Gal, we got your guy. He's a fucking prick if I ever met one. wait, don't! But it was too late. For at that moment, Sot and Sixteen were knocked back with a pulse of dark blue energy. There we go. An honestly impressive attempt was made, though. Good job, you three. And Prim lifted his hand, which radiated the same dark blue magical energy, and grabbed the three with his string of sorcery and held them up in the air in front of him as he began to walk toward them on a bridge made of light magic. Truly impressive. Not just the attempt, but the fact that you have the gall to show your face here again, Gallows. I'm surprised that the infection of my festering hasn't taken over the rest of your body yet. Now, why might that be? I have my magic to thank for that. You'd know, wouldn't you? So, what's Gal talking about? Just wait. Oh, I see. You haven't told your new friends the whole story, have you? Well then, allow me to clear up any possible confusion. And Prim dropped Gallus into his arms, grabbed her chin, and looked her in the eyes. They looked like those of someone almost under the influence, and as she closed her eyes... Prim pressed his lips against Gallos in a passionate display of love. A kiss to end all kisses. What? How dare you let her go? And Prim looked up, wiping a slight bit of spit away from his mouth, and dropped Gallos. As she floated to the ground like a feather on the wings of Prim's arcane energy. Tsk, tsk, tsk. Haven't you figured it out yet? She and I are lovers, or rather, the previous resident of this body and Gallows were lovers. Please, Knox, let them go! I'm sorry, dear. But the person you think you were speaking to is dead. Far beyond dead. Your new friends of all people should know what it looks like when an arcane spirit has taken over the body of a mortal. And as he said this, his body began to rise in the air both arms to the side, and the white crescent in his eye becoming larger, and eventually enveloping the left side of his eyes. His arcane energy began to swirl and spiral around him into the sky, and in doing so, drained the color of the sky into an inky black. 
the moon came into view and covered half the sky. I'm quite surprised at her resilience to my thrall. Not just because of my charisma, but the power of the festering. Although I wonder... Prim traveled towards Sot without moving a muscle and grabbed her bandages and tore them off to have a look underneath, revealing a weaving network of festering underneath her chest that had grown since last she had seen it. Get your hands off of me. No need to struggle now, darling. This will all be over soon. My curiosity often gets the better of me. This, however, is quite satisfying, if you'll allow me. The moon turns to face the earth, and a toothy grin becomes shown, as well as a single, all-seeing eye. The mouth slowly begins to open, as it says one single word. Three. The festering spread even further now, climbing up Sot's neck and creating a pulsating lump of flesh no larger than a grape on her neck and shoulder. Aha! I see you now. So my fester has been working. <sighs> she must be diverting the infection from her own blood into another branch of her bloodline. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was being vaguely menacing again, wasn't I? Get to the point already, you prick. You two, Sot and Gallus, share a bloodline. Whether that makes you sisters or cousins, I honestly couldn't care less. Considering I'm about to kill you and Sixteen, but it was nice to understand why my incomprehensible powers seemed like they weren't working. Wait, what was that last part about killing us? I mean, are you really all that surprised with our luck? No, but I'm still shocked. Naturally. Now, it was lovely to meet you. Goodbye. The moon closed its eye, which created a loud thud that reached the earth, rumbling the ground below. It then began to open, and the energy around the eye began to swirl in a charge that shot out of the moon's iris. No! With a sudden burst of energy, Gallos began to play a melody once again, frantically, to move Sot and Sixteen, but to no avail, until out of nowhere... Gallos! Give me the loot! Sola, the barkeep, ran into the scene, dodging the many vacant bodies merely standing there. He caught the loot and began to play a different melody that caught Prim off guard. Wait, no, not that song. Prim caught his heart and fell to the ground, catching himself on the ground and staggering to stand back up again. Sot and Sixteen were dropped in a moment of lack of concentration, and the beam that came from the eye of the moon finally reached the Earth's atmosphere and... shot the ground of the town square, barely missing Sot and Sixteen, who managed to get up far quicker and miss any of the debris that flew narrowly by them. Come on, Sot, let's get out of here! Right, I'll get Gallows, you get the barkeep! The two sprinted to their respective goals, trying to race against the clock before Prim rose again. Come on, Gallows, take my hand! But what about- We don't have time just to worry about anything else, just take my hand! Gallows grasped her hand, and the two ran toward where Sixteen was to be. However, they found that the debris had crashed into Sola. 
The bits of rubble and walls collapsed in on him looked quite heavy, but Sixteen was still struggling to lift it up. Oh, thank the spirits you two are here. Help me out here so we can save him. Oh! <coughs> I'll be fine, but you won't have much time to get away from my boy if you don't get away from here now. What? No! No! Solo, we aren't leaving you here. I don't care what you do. You're going to get out of here as fast as you can. Get to <coughs> the Stardust Cavern. Find the true song of soul slaying with the child. It's the only way to <coughs> save Nox. But you could die. Just go. <coughs> don't worry about me. The group looked each other in the eyes, knowing that if they stayed where they were any longer, they would be turned to mincemeat by the raw power of the moon. We'll come back for you. I swear. Go! And the three ran off, following Gallos toward the coast, and for a brief moment, Gallos looked back upon the father of an old friend from a life she once knew and tried to fight a tear. Turning one's back upon someone you knew in peril has always been considered one of the worst feelings in all of human history. But the rage that follows is unquenchable. That is the feeling that flowed through Gallos in that moment, as she remembered the last day of her first life. Tranthologies is a trans-anthology podcast distributed by the Listless Network and produced by Alex Abrahams and Zoe Davis. Soul Slayer Part 1 was written and directed by M.J. Scott and edited by Miri Newman. Episode cover art done by Ari Maloney and a music composed by Scarlett Foster. In today's episode, you heard the lovely voices of Avalon Willowbloom as the narrator and archer, Moira Juliet Scott as Sot and the Moon, Zoe Davis as Sixteen, J.T. as Gallus the Twelfth, Felix Pozorski as Prim the Rose of Aerith, Alex Abrahams as Philip the Hierophant, B. Holt as Astoria, Miri Newman as Sola the Festering and the Ogre, and Freddie Thomas as Reginald. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune in tomorrow for another delightfully trans episode. And make sure to keep your ears open for the thrilling conclusion to Soul Slayer. But until then, remember to toss a coin to the closest thing you can get to a monster hunter, a princess, and a bard. Howdy, Zoe here, one of the producers for Tranthologies. Just wanted to pop in and let you know that our crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo is still ongoing throughout our Season 2 run. So, if you liked an episode, please consider leaving us a tip. Or not. I'm not your mom, or your dad, or your parent. Alright, bye!